0: Hello, dear friends. We are glad to invite you and welcome you once again on Alatra TV. We are happy to invite you today to join our live conversation based on the global international project uh, Creative Society. The goal of the project is to achieve creative society by peaceful means, such society where each person in the world will live happy and live in comfort and have everything necessary for living secure and stable society where each person is confident in his future. You may find more information about the project on lottery9s.com. The topic of uh, our today's live conversation is creative future for the brave and today's live conversation uh, we'll host together with Kate. Hi Kate, how are you?
1: hi sir. i'm great thank you and hi everyone thank you for joining us today and i i just want to add that this project is wonderful and throughout this project we're also testing a theory of six handshakes and our special guest today watched one of the broadcasts with his friend samuel muderva from Democratic Republic of Congo. And he got so inspired that decided to contact us right away and share his vision of creative society. So dear viewers, please welcome John Byler, founder of the Bison Foundation. And John spent almost 25 years creating learning solutions for many Fortune 100 companies across the world and, you know, wide range of industries, instructional instructional designer. So he designed and developed training for uh, Fidelity Investments in Boston for 11 years also. Uh, hello, John. How are you doing today? And thank you very much for reaching out.
2: Hi, Kate. Hi, Sergei. Well, I had to. Hi, I felt compelled to. And, uh, you know, when you feel that stirring, uh, I knew it was inevitable that I would reach out to you because we, we, um, we're on the same mission, really. We're, we're after this, many of the same things, and there's no reason why any artificial boundaries should prevent us. And I know that there is strength in numbers. There is strength in numbers, the diversity. I'll into the Bison Foundation, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take your lead and, and uh, address, address the questions as they come to me. But it's really nice to be here.
1: Thank you so much, John. And yes, actually the first question would be, uh, could you please share with us and our viewers, uh, what does BISON mean actually? And um, what inspired you to start this organization? What is it about?
2: Yeah, well, the B-I-S-O-N is an acronym and uh, I'm not gonna tell you what it is yet because I, I wanna lead up to it. Um, as you said, I worked at Fidelity Investments in Boston um, for 11 years. It was from 90, 1994 to 2005. In 2005, uh, my middle son and I, Andrew, were in a car crash. We were hit uh, very hard from behind. We were at uh, his bagpipe practice. He was a an ex- it was a great com- ba- bagpipe player at the age of 16. We were driving back from there, and we were hit from behind, and we ended up on this grassy area, uh, and we both looked at each other and said, are you all right? And 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 we were all right at the time. We, we got all our stuff out of the car, called 911, and uh, as sometimes happens with a traumatic brain injury, you don't really know the impact right then and there. Um, so the next day I continued with my project with Fidelity and I knew something was very wrong. And uh, and and as the next day wore on, I my symptoms just grew worse. And I went to the emergency room and they could tell that I had had a concussion, and my my son uh, broke three vertebrae in his back. So there's a there's a tragedy uh, be, behind the Bison Foundation, but as with many things, it could have been a lot worse. I am grateful to be to have walked away from that car. It was a 1993 Volvo. It's built like a tank, and the the trunk was crushed into the back seat, and so the, you can imagine the impact. So. Um, that was 2005. And to, by 2006, I had worked with a speech-language pathologist at Spaulding Rehabilitation Hospital in Boston. It's a Harvard Medical School teaching hospital. I knew I was in, in very good hands. And so as an instructional designer, I was paying attention to how they were treating me. And there there was clearly a medical clinician side of the team and a therapy side of the team, and they worked together. And so as I... I realized that there was a a book in me of the best of what I learned at Spalding as my way of paying it forward. And uh, so I spent five years with my co-author on this book. It's called, You Look Great. And the subtitle is Strategies for Living Inside a Brain Injury. And um, this, at the core of it is a model called the Brain Injury Recovery Team Model. The premise being, it's not a superstar neurologist who's gonna get you better. It's a team approach, strength in numbers. So as, as my recovery wore on and on and on, um, I, was, uh, I had spent five years with my co-author, Laura Ricard. By the end of 2011, I was f- finishing the book and I realized there must be such a thing as a brain conference. Sure enough, there were three I applied to and I got into all three right away. Uh, the Santa Clara Medical Center in California uh, the World Congress of the International Brain Injury Association uh, in Edinburgh, Scotland, and then and then keynoting it at, at, in Massachusetts. Um, in 2009, so four years after the accident, I had done enough public speaking in the Boston area in graduate schools that I was kind of the poster boy for traumatic brain injury. And the Brain Injury Association serves that community. And they reached out to me because they wanted to have someone with a brain injury on their board kind of the ins the inside story about what it is like to live with a brain injury so um at the beginning of 2012 then i i began going i began going to these conferences and speaking and being very well received but at the same time my my fa- my personal life was crashing around me and i was born here in kansas which if you look in a map of the united states we're right in the middle the co- that whole area is called the great plains and the buffalo roam. You've heard the, oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam and the deer and the antelope play. See, I was born here out here, but my parents moved. I didn't grow up here on the plains, but we always came back here as a point of reference. So I grew up in Hong Kong. So I grew up with a very international (laughs) upbringing. Uh, From 1962 to 1968, uh, we lived in Hong Kong on the 17th floor. I went to Kowloon Junior School when Hong Kong was a British Crown Colony. All the currency had British monarchy on it. Um, so I'm going to try and be concise, I promised. Um, so as my personal life uh, came, really came crashing down, I, 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 I looked at a map of the United States and I said, where am I going to get back in my feet again? And it had to be Kansas. My mother was here and uh, relatives here in Heston, Kansas. I'm wearing the shirt in honor Heston uh it's a town that's about 30 miles north of wichita and um there's a small college here a two-year mennonite college my grandfather taught here in the 30s and um so my 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 hope was that i could uh, uh, uh survive this ordeal in the quiet and open spaces of kansas and that's what's been happening i've gotten stronger than i was but when I first got here eight and a half years ago, I drove to a, a wildlife preserve just about 20 miles north of here. And, that, and that's where the buffalo and the, and the antelope play. And I drove up there and this, and I'm, I'm leading up to why I called it the Bison Foundation. I drove up there looking for some answer, some healing. And I was all alone uh, I parked the car. I, I walked around. I saw a whole herd of bison about a mile away on the other side of a fence. And, and I looked at them and it, there was something almost biblical about this feeling I had. I, I, I basically laid down in the tall prairie grass and I slept for an hour. I slept for an hour. And during that hour, the entire herd of bison had moved just to the other side of the fence. And I filmed it. It's on YouTube. I describe it on YouTube that day. And first I thought they they, they they said, man down, let's investigate. And they are very inquisitive creatures. But more profoundly, I felt them saying you've lost your herd. You can find strength in our herd. And my intention after having written the book and and having spoken at these conferences and being on the board of this Brain Injury Association, I, I had a r- real insider's knowledge about uh, um the care and lack of care of people with brain injuries in this country and so i i had always called it the you look great project i just knew that there was going to be a foundation to help people i didn't know what it was going to be called yet but that day i named it and it just snapped into place bison brain injury support that was easy and then a colon and then o n on what animates the bison well i've given this a lot of thought O is operational help, where we'll help families with their paperwork, whether they come to us uh, with our retreats or we go to them for our in-home health care. There are five areas of paperwork and bureaucracy that are absolutely deadening to families, and it usually falls to the healthy partner to take care of it. So we're going to partner well, and we're going to help families with their insurance paperwork, their legal paperwork, their medical paperwork, their taxes paperwork, and their personal finance. If we're able to help families with those five areas, the stress will be relieved. They will be less likely when they visit the doctor to say, because you know, the doctors always leave, if they're under a time constraint, which most doctors are, they'll start leading the witness and say, are you depressed? Well, I have a pretty good vocabulary, but I'm not sure what else to call it. So I'll say yes. Well, they've got a drug for that. And then, and without distinguishing between clinical depression and feeling sad, which is part of the human condition. They'll say, "Are you anxious?" And for want of a better word, yeah, anxious. Without distinguishing between clinical anxiety, which can lead to panic attacks, and feeling nervous, which is part of the human condition. So the Bison Foundation wants to wants to recognize that if these, if 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 most of the time the patient says yes to depression or anxiety, it may be that it's simply part of the human condition, not some chemical imbalance that they have to immediately jump in with a pharmaceutical. So we take this real seriously, the, the brain chemistry, because I don't know if I'm ever gonna get my brain chemistry back. When I first got here, I was in such rough shape that the doctor injected me with Valium and put me on Xanax and Clonopin and Seroquel all at the same time. What I should have said was doc, respectfully, are there any human clinical trials to justify this diagnosis and prescription? He would have said, I have no idea. Well, I would have been more protective over my brain chemistry. So the O in BISON is operational help to relieve the stress and anxiety of the bureaucracy and is neurological. And that's where we expand the definition of what it means to traumatize the brain. That yes, it's car accidents. Yes, it's in sports, sports concussion. Yes, it's our veterans, but it's also Alzheimer's. It's also Parkinson's. It's also and aneurysm and stroke it's also successful brain surgery these are all the salts on the brain so the bison foundation brain injury support operational help, and neurological help. we and and i could go on but i'll i'll pause there and and uh see if you want to ask me any questions so far because there are a few more things i could say about the bison foundation
0: thank you john that's uh pretty impressive uh, what you're saying and uh, it's really great how, uh, again, I'm being amazed how people, not just they overcome their uh, some serious issues in life, but they manage at the same time to help others. So I wanted to ask you about this. Like, where do you find this courage? And what inspires you every day to support people and help them, in, to help them feel better?
2: Um, well, I'm a Christian. And so as a Christian who takes his faith, even more seriously now that I've been painted into a corner, um, I have nowhere else to turn. Um, and so and so every morning, um, 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 my wife and I spend time, uh, we'll read, We've, we're working our way through the book of Revelation, which is a kind of a kaleidoscopic, cataclysmic, apocalyptic book, uh, you might know. And so we're reading it with some commentary to guide us. But so to answer your question, where do I find the, Or or I guess, why do I do what I do? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with um, just the basic principle of getting out of yourself, getting over yourself, and recognizing people who have it so much worse, who are much older, more frail, people whose brain injury are far worse than mine. You can see I'm fairly functioning but i struggle with my speech sometimes and and so i think my 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 most important answer is is my belief in god and that there have been times well i've shared with you during our conversation a couple days ago about how i met samuel madirwa i couldn't have orchestrated meeting samuel he reached out to me on linkedin because he had a dream with my name on a wall in a house and then he spent two days on a bus to meet me in Kansas. And we spent a week together. And so, and so I'm, I, um, it's not that I'm convinced there's a God. It's like, I, I, I can't pose an argument against his involvement in what's happening to me and, and Samuel. And I'm telling you, uh, um, I have a, a lot of people live with fear and despair. I don't, I don't. I am, I am almost unreasonably optimistic about the future I do. I, there's going to be a breakthrough. There's going to be a breakthrough. The evil doesn't win. The evil doesn't win. I think. I think. Uh, uh, I think. God is is seeing. Is is giving people an opportunity to show what's in their heart. And if what's in your heart is selfishness, then you're going to do. You're going to lead. Lead. Lead a very selfish life. If your heart is um, open and generous, that's just. That's just who you are. you're going to. You're going to give. You're going to. You see someone in need, and uh, 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 you, you just jump into in, into help, and 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 in so doing, it kind of p- provides your own justification for being. And that's why we're here. And if everybody felt that way, what a wonderful world! There's a song. What a wonderful world it would be.
1: Thank you so much, John. Thank you for such a sincere answer. And you know. Um, I have one question for you uh could you please tell us what in your opinion a true happiness is like where do you find this true happiness can, where do you find you, this feeling uh,
2: and i think everybody would agree that happiness is elusive and i don't pretend to have found it um, um you know when you struggle every day with with whatever your brain chemistry is suggesting or dictating that day. Um, 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 Happiness is more of a concept, really. Uh, I I, I don't think it's something I necessarily have to strive for, like peace. How do you strive after peace? You can work towards peace, you can work towards happiness. And I guess that's a very practical, unromantic answer. But I wish I could say, you 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 see depending on the question asked it kind of you know what it's kind of like it's kind of like if um, um if you have t- two things plugged into the socket at the same time and kind of, kind of short circuits that's kind of happened has happened to me after since the car crash is my brain doesn't operate the same way and if if it's if it's a word retrieval issue if it's an idea retrieval issue sometimes i'll just sort of start stuttering <laughs> But I mean, that's that's a great question about happiness because some people might s- say they found it and I'd like to meet them.
1: Uh, and is it a matter of circumstances or maybe your personal that's a, choice?
2: That's a great question because I, I um, when I moved here, there was a number of circumstantial issues that were weighing on me, actually tearing me apart. And so, as the years have progressed and here we are in 2020 um, i've as as my circumstances have gradually improved and they have they have my circumstances have improved but i i'm afraid to say that my condition hasn't improved i was really hoping that it would so and it's not it's, it, it it's 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 almost like half, it's it's almost too easy to say happiness is a choice because I want I choose it. Of course I choose it, but I that doesn't mean to say that I have acquired it.
1: Thank
2: you so much, John. You know, there's uh, a basic, I mean I mean I believe in I believe in the dark spiritual forces and 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 I'll tell you that I'm training myself to believe that when i when i feel those dark spiritual forces warring against me i'm starting to train myself to say i'm on the right track it's like when you disturb a hornet's nest i think between me and samuel and others who are doing great work we're coming under attack in the spiritual realm because the dark spiritual forces all they want is war and bloodshed and we're fighting against that but i I, i'm confident that they won't win that this this is a this is a step in the right direction to say the least to have me here in the States and you there in the Ukraine and all over the world saying, we're not gonna, we're not gonna stand for this. We're not gonna put up with it any longer. We are going to um, call on on, on on, the best of people and not, and not assume the worst or draw out the worst. We're going to try to work together now to get people to call on their best selves. And, and from, a, from a Christian point of view, it would be to become the person God intended them to be not the one that was hijacked by the by the enemy.
1: Thank you so much. And John, we actually prepared a really nice surprise. We searched for some photos of yours. And uh, right now uh, we have a wonderful collage. So I will ask our technical support to put it on the screen so you could um, take a look at those photos and maybe comment on them. Okay and share those happy moments of yours, probably.
2: Oh, well, let's see here. I don't have my glasses on, so I'm going to look, look, look closely here. Well, um, okay, well, the, the bottom left is, 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 is my favorite one there. The bottom left, on the, you'll see Emperor Haile Selassie of, of Ethiopia. Uh, my grandfather and my grandmother uh, lived in Ethiopia working for the Mennonite Central Committee and and to thank them for their work with the MCC, Haile Selassie gave them a, um, a ceremonial white horse excuse me white horse-haired swatter. and it had always been in my family. We, we left for Hong Kong in 1962 and by, the, by my grandfather had just died and gave it to my dad. and so as I as we were in Hong Kong, it was always on the coffee table. Oh, that's from Emperor Haile Selassie. And then my father died in 97, and my older brother inherited it. And then um, my brother died 10 years ago, and then his wife inherited it. And I, I, I was dropping large hints for a while, and she, and she gave it to me a few Christmases ago. So that's a And by the way, I, I mentioned Mennonites. You, you might look into them because their, their mission is very, uh, very similar to what you all are doing with the peace and the, the, with peacekeeping and peace-seeking and the creative society. And, uh, uh, yeah, so let's see, the middle, the middle picture there, um, up until uh, early, this we had a cabin up in Maine, our family, and uh, I spent a lot of time up in Maine. I, I wrote some of the book up in there. So you'll see kind of a, a, a Tai Chi master on the left, kind of taming a bison, a bison. Uh, on the right and that's that to me is a picture of serenity and and because uh, sometimes herds of bison can go on stampedes <laughs> and uh and i think i think the metaphor would be so can we and then on the right is the uh the uh, the the yellow uh a uh, golden bison uh there's a there are some uh, uh christian believers who uh, for some reason that's a symbol of the end times or a symbol of the return of jesus christ himself and uh so that's that's part of the imagery of the bison Foundation too. Uh, let's see <laughs> the paperwork
1: And what about that picture? I think it's uh, it describes probably what you do with a lot of paperwork that you help with yeah. uh, well you know to people who actually ask you for support.
2: yeah I, I, um, I, uh, I, I as I as I say I with, with my injury, I I, I do need administrative help. Um, I have I have notebooks. To me, you know how I feel. I feel like, um, you know, um, Albert Einstein had MC. Um, what what is the formulation that he came up with? I've MC. I'm sorry. I, I feel as though I have this. I had this vision for the Bison Foundation and 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 Einstein kind of spent the rest of his career working back from the formulation and I feel like my notebooks have done that i i've been I've been writing and writing and imagining and writing some more, and now I'm ready to partner with with writers and and my my youngest son will ha, has just agreed to uh, to work with me and I'm thrilled because um all three of my my sons I'm just so proud of they're just also talented and um uh, so, so that picture there, I'm not buried anymore. We're going to work on it together. We make it a family project.
1: That's wonderful, Sergey. Are you with us?
2: Your voice is uh, not quite coming through, Sergey.
1: Yes, I guess uh, he's experiencing some technical difficulties, but that that's okay. okay. Um, maybe we can ask you to um, perform for our viewers, because we know that you really love to play guitar and it would be very nice if okay. you could share a one of your wonderful songs with us and our viewers. Sure. Great. all right yep <laughs>
2: Uh, that was one, one
1: thing I'd like to do. That's great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And, you know, uh, once you were playing, I, I had a thought in my head that probably when you're playing guitar, uh, it makes you feel maybe a little bit, but happier.
2: <laughs> oh, you know, you know, uh, you know, um, that, I mean, it's a perfect segue into the creative society because... Um, you know, I, I, I started playing when I was 15 years old. My parents were upstairs getting a divorce. So it all, I always connected uh, the trauma of, you know, of that. Uh, and, I, and I knew I needed a craft. I mean, I deliberately chose the guitar. And, uh, and, uh, and I just immediately connected with the blues. And I, I went to the library and took out some records, Mr. Uh, uh, Hopkins and B.B. King. And B.B. King became my guitar instructor, and you couldn't ask for a better guitar instructor than his records. And so, but, but and I was in some bands in, in college, but then professionally, you know, I, I didn't really have time to, to, to pursue. It was something I always loved to do, and it was always therapy for me, because I, I waited till everybody was out of the house, and I'd plug in and I'd get loud. Um, when I came to Kansas eight and a half years ago, as I say, trying to get back on my feet again, um, I didn't have I didn't have my guitar with me I had, I, I, I bought I bought one from the a boy a, a young man nearby Hutchinson and uh, one I, I would go for long walks in the middle of the night out here if you haven't been out to Kansas or the Great Plains it's uh, it's a big mysterious place and uh, they, the the spirit you know there's a great spirit out here and uh, and I was out walking late one night talking to this great spirit. And I, I told him that some of my friends um, were charismatic Christians and they spoke in, in tongues and, and, they, and they felt they had a special relationship with God, with, the, with the, this tongues. And I, and I said, what's that all about basically? And I felt the spirit say, you're a musician. You're a musician. That's how you speak to me. And so I've not approached the guitar the same way since that night. I, I treat it like it's a musical instrument of communication uh, from inside. And one night, uh, as I say, I have this condition that really weighs on me, and I don't know what to call it. But one night I had my guitar and I was experiencing the sense. It's like a storm. It's not an epileptic fit, but it's, it's like a, a storm that you don't have control over and I was holding my guitar. And my experiment was, okay, see if you still have the sensation while you're playing. And I will say that that for the most part, the, the condition is basically on a shelf while I'm playing the guitar. So what that's telling me, not so subtly is play the guitar more, talk less, play more. And, and so I'm, I'm eager to, uh, to start a band. And uh, and uh, and have that be what I what I would call a, a musical ministry to people, because if music is healing me, that's gonna that's gonna show, that's gonna be evident, and it might even be possible that it would be healing for other people as well to hear.
0: Thanks, John. And speaking of um, happiness and creative society, I wanted to ask you. How do you envision a creative society, such a society where in practice and in reality you and your loved ones will feel secure and really happy? Um,
2: well, I probably don't even need to re- refer to these notes, but, but there's so much overlap in, in some basic principles of, 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 of what I've been reading about the creative society. And I just, it really resonated with me. Um, the anti-consumerism, how consumerism is a, is a form of slavery and how, um, and, how, and how human beings are very different from animals and we should not live like animals. We should, we should um, continue to dignify ourselves and differentiate ourselves from, from, from the animal kingdom. So, uh, and, and the value of human life, you know, the first foundation of the creative society, human life, the highest value. No argument here. No argument here, but every one of these foundations has implications. You know, now that you believe that human life is is the highest value, now what? What do you do with that information? Well, uh, that that right away is reason enough to to see the end of wars. I'll give you an example of of um, of how easy peace can be, and that is uh, we we're just talking about Ethiopia. Uh, the president of Ethiopia and uh, Eritrea next door, they've been warring for a long, long time. And at some point, I think it was the Ethiopian president who called the Eritrean president and said, let's have dinner together. And, and they said, enough. And there's a beautiful picture of these two men shaking hands and smiling. And it can be as easy as that. And I, I believe, I believe in, um, in what can happen over a meal, okay? So let's say I was the president of the United States, right? Um, I would, I would plan a banquet, <laughs> I would plan a banquet with the major heads of state. And, and let's say, you know, the, 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 let's, 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 let's do everything we can for peace for our children and our grandchildren and have it be over food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I uh, one of the things Samuel Maduro and I spoke about is, is uh, a school, uh, to teach the uh, peacekeeping and conflict resolution. Uh, and, so, and so if you have principles of peacekeeping and conflict resolution, if you have these principles in a family, you can apply them to your town, you can apply them to your country. And so that's, 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 a, that's something that you all are, are, are already giving a lot of thought to. What are these principles? And they're, they're the eight foundations of the creative society. Uh, evolution, not revolution. That's, that's, that gives us permission to be patient we have to be patient on the other hand the world is burning up so there's really uh it's it's there's a built-in dynamic intention there that we can't let stop us uh we have to recognize that there's a lot of pressures to um to do everything we can for peace but that it's going to be slowly one person at a time i mean we have the slogan for for the bison foundation is healing the world one brain at a time and uh yeah I'm looking at the notes for the for the eight foundations, and uh, was your original question um, how I saw my role in the creative society, or what people's role can be?:
0: If you could maybe to describe your vision of such a society how it would look like from your perspective, like the key, I should say, maybe three or four points that uh, you think are the most important in the creative society, you know, the, for it to be really uh, secure and uh, fulfilling for all the people in it. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, well, one thing uh, uh, is, that, is that the creative society is saying, dare to dream, dare to dream, don't just uh, submit to to um, to the pressures of society to be less than what you can be. Um, these I I I I I'm, I'm reviewing these these foundations and um, um, I think one of the things I I really um, what really drew me is how idealistic and ambitious. creative society is because i think a lot of society tends to tamp that down particularly in in the public school system kids aren't encouraged to dream big kids aren't encouraged they're just encouraged to pass that test and just have this uh, amount of knowledge available until the time of the test and then you can forget it so if 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 the creative society can um expand its reach which we're doing now with this interview um i I would i would say the one thing that that i found missing and and then and maybe that's my cog in the wheel you know is 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 uh the mention of god and so so if i were to if let's let's say i'm a lens and this light is shining through my lens so so what i would what i would want to what i would want to bring in because i am skeptical of human nature i am riddled, history is riddled with self-interest riddled with with acquisition through violence. That's the other thing that attracted me too was, was um, the recognition of this, of what violence, you know, it's it's uh, under the number five, the creative ideology. Under the creative ideology, it, education that cultivates moral values in each person in society. Um, and, uh, as far as anti-violence, it's it's everywhere. Not just, I mean, we're not at w- war currently. However, our entertainment is at war. Our entertainment is at war. I'm working with a, um, an engineer in Poland um, who, who specializes in virtual reality. That's a strategy for not only people with brain injuries, but perhaps people who live in cities who want to, who put on the goggles and and I would say, and watch sunsets. And and uh, I have beautiful um, footage and, and I have friends who are filmmakers. And I'm afraid that a lot of the energy and experience uh, and money going into virtual reality is either pornographic or violence. and I'm saying let's clean up our act, let's clean up our act and let's and let's let's um, use use this technology, the virtual reality technology for good and not for and not for not to just create more darkness in the world.
1: Thank you so much, John. You know uh, we also will touch the fifth uh foundation of the creative society the creative ideology uh a bit later and right now um I just wanted to say a big thank you to you for sharing this wonderful example of how uh the conflict can basically be solved in one dinner and um you know um actually for our society uh, to move on to in to the next step probably to build the creative society where each person would feel happy, secure, and um, you know would flourish with the society. We all must be united by one goal, and um, that is why Alatra International Public Movement participants, volunteers from all over the world. Um, are communicating with people worldwide for already more than five years, and we're asking people one, you know, very simple but very important question: How do you want to live? And people give very clear answers. So right now, um, I would like to suggest to watch a short video of, uh, you know, the best moments probably of the interviews with people worldwide.
2: Mm.
1: What unites us as human beings is, we all have the right to life.
0: I believe no matter of our upbringing, we all just want want the same thing. You know, we want to be happy, we want to enjoy life. We want to experience what it has to offer. I got from my mother the expression, others first. You know, this is the opposite of being selfish. When you say others first, others go before you.
2: We are all human beings
0: and we share all the same future. We are sharing all the same resources while sharing the same purpose in this life. So it's to live well with each other. If this become different and the people feel that when everyone around them become happy, they will become happy, this will be an amazing world.
1: And creative society is the one in which you give and don't expect anything else.
0: Forget about the money. You've got to pull your way in society and think of others, respect, and so on. Everyone in this society should be equal to each other. I feel that right now, I think there's a time that we need to be together, we need to work together.
1: By loving yourself, by loving the others, by uh, distributed uh, uh, a positive energy. Openness and trust, love and gratitude. This is foundation for a uh, creative society.
0: To work alone, you will not survive. To work together, we can move forward.
1: If people can see what I'm seeing and feel what I'm feeling whenever I think of a creative society, it's, I mean, it's infectious. That's that's I think that's in one word I'll say, it's infectious. I can't say more. <laughs> Thanks so much. Our technical support, wonderful video, Uh, John. And you also mentioned, uh, you know, moral values. So what do you think? How important is it today in our society to have strong moral values and to upbring our children, to educate people so they could truly become um, humans, so they could truly be called, you know, humans from the capital H?
2: Yeah. Um, well, um, you'll, it won't surprise you to hear that, uh, that I believe it's important to have strong moral values. And um, my concern would be where our children will learn them. I'm afraid um, a lot of learning is going on through passive entertainment. And they're learning their values from the filmmakers and the television showmakers, and the game showmakers. And I think I think there's a pervasive sense especially with smartphones, that it's our God-given right to be entertained around the clock and not be here for any purpose other than to be entertained. And if we can break that notion, so where are they going to learn the values? Um, I hope from, from the parents, but what if they can't learn it from the parents? What if the parents made some um, mistakes and can, can we trust our public school system? I'm not sure we can. What we ought to do is design a school that uh, kindergarten through 12th grade that, that has a curriculum that does not only teach, teach history and teach math and teach proper use of vocabulary, um, but moral values as far as basics between right and wrong. Because I don't know that we can count on notions of right and wrong coming out of people's homes. Because sometimes the, the parents are in need of it as well.
1: And probably we need to also, by showing our example, uh, you know, treat others the way we want to be treated and uh, also to show this example to the kids so they could kind of grasp it and uh, then implement it in their life, in their future life so they could be guided by them. And right now I would like to um, read the fifth foundation to our viewers, because there might be some of them who are not really aware of what we're talking about. So uh, could our technical support bring the uh, fifth um, foundation to the screen? Thank you so much. So creative ideology. Ideology should be aimed at popularizing the best human qualities and uh, stopping everything that is directed against a human. The main priority is the priority of humanity, high spiritual and moral aspirations of a human, humanness, virtue, mutual respect, and strengthening of friendship, creating conditions for the development and education of a human with a capital age, cultivating moral values in each person and society. Prohibition of propaganda of violence, condemnation and denunciation of any form of division, aggression and anti-humane manifestations. So, John, this is pretty much um, the same what you shared about, you know, um, changing the way we're using the mass media, using those tools for the better to educate people and to highlight their best qualities in them. Thank you so much and i pass the floor to sergey
0: thank you okay thank you john uh yeah john you've already started actually talking about the uh fifth um foundation the these foundations i think now everyone saw in the video that's where we got those foundations from so we basically just summarize the information that we got from people from more than 180 countries of the world from those interviews into something to understand, like in order to build creative society, we need to understand what we are building. So at least we summarize what we heard from people and uh, that's from where those foundations are coming from so that everyone will know and then people can uh, learn more on a lot website about them. And um, I'd like to ask you, John, in your opinion, what social benefits and living conditions should there be in the creative society for all people regardless of their state or social state or whatever things they might have gone through in their life or in in order to live in peace and harmony so what conditions should there be in the creative society so that people will have equal opportunities to implement their creative abilities and talents.
2: Hmm. well this would be the most difficult question you've asked so far how to answer it how to answer it what conditions
0: i, th- I think after going through so much paperwork <laughs> that, that you've told us about one two three four five I think you have minimum five reasons uh, five things that you, you can tell us about which can make people's lives easier. Which one,
2: which one should I tell you? Um, I, think, I think, even just, um, I, think, I think that the coherency of, of the philosophy is that we're not animals, we're human beings. And as human beings, we have this incredible uh, creative side and that needs to be nourished. But it often gets tamped down, either at home or at school. Or, uh, and so if we, can, if we can raise our children uh, to, to tap into what their particular creative gifts are, to help them re- recognize why they're here, what makes them, what, what they bring to this world that's different from maybe what their neighbor brings to this world, and to value that, and to not tampen it down, Treat it like the fire that burns within you. And for me, it's the guitar and music. And, and I'm glad that that, um, well, first of all, I'm glad that I have fingers that aren't riddled with arthritis. I just lost a good friend of mine. She was 91 years old, Ellen. And Ellen, by the time I met her, she had already had arthritis set in. But she had been a pianist all her life, a spectacular pianist from what I understand. And when she told me that she hadn't played in several years, There's a lesson, there was a lesson there for me as a guitar player that if I'm, I'm gonna do any recording, I had to do it now. Um, but as far as the creative society goes, I think that's a principle that uh, gets reinforced as we teach our children that they're, that they're not animals, that they're human beings with an incredibly sophisticated brain that, that I think is God's greatest creation is the human brain, not the galaxy. I could care less about Jupiter. It's the human brain that, that distinguishes us from every living thing. The human brain. There's a there's something called the mind. Uh, I'll give you an example of, of why I'm so impressed with the human brain. I was at a conference in Wichita a few, uh, four years ago, and they had some engineers there who, who taught engineering. They're originally from Pakistan, and they were extolling the virtues of 3D printing. And so there's a great future in 3D printing, uh, not just for objects, but in the, in the medical field, where they're actually be able to 3D print a kidney or an organ, a pump. And I said to him during a break over coffee, I said, well, assuming it was kind of common knowledge, or uh, I said, well, they'll never be able to 3D print the brain. And he looked at me puzzled as though as though, why wouldn't that be possible? And I realized I'm dealing with a materialist. He's a materialist. He doesn't understand that with, with the human brain is concerned, we're talking about more than just tissue, brain tissue. We're talking about the mind. And and you know, there's an old saying, you know, you can put a man on Mar you can put a man on the moon, but you can't build a good toaster. Um, well you know you can put a man on the moon, but but we don't have a clue yet how the brain works, what mind is, where consciousness comes from. It's more than just an organ that 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 that, that like a liver. And so I would use that as an example of the, the particularity, the, the, the individuality of the human brain. And that's in keeping with, with what I've been reading about the creative society. That's the thing that distinguishes us from the animal kingdom.
0: Thanks for sharing, John. Um, I'd like to ask you, since the time flies really fast, and we'd like to ask you to maybe there is one foundation that you would like to choose to expand on. Or since you told us that you are making notes, that maybe you can share with us your yeah, idea. I
2: think I think I would go to number six, uh, development of personality. Um, and it's because it's an el- elaboration of what we were talking about. Um about about how how each of us has a role to play. And uh and our, our 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 personalities are our fingerprint, and our fingerprint is so specific that that we're here for for some very particular reasons, and we don't want to um, um, lose the voice or lose our inner guidance as to where where our destiny is taking us, and uh, and so if you if you're if you're raised with that sense that you're here for a reason, you're going to be less likely to want to just waste your life, you know, you're going to want to you're gonna to want to, to find purpose and, and it starts here. It starts here. If you grow up uh, w- without a, a reference to purpose or destiny, then, then you're gonna waste your life. You just are. And you're gonna realize way too late, if you realize it at all, that you blew it, that you were here for a reason and you, 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 you let yourself get distracted by things and, and that's, the, that's the other thing that creative society does with this development of personality is, uh, whether we're parents or teachers or just members of society, we want to recognize that that's their dignity. That's their dignity, even with a handicap, even with, even with, 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 with a traumatic brain injury. When, 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 when some elements of society say, well, your life's over. It's true, my career came to an end. But I, I prefer to believe that that career and life came to an end but a new one is opening up. And as I said, I'm relentlessly optimistic. I am, I am genuinely hopeful about the future. I'm actually excited. And there's not many people today who say that. They are, they are living in fear because of what they read in the newspapers and so on. Well, there's a lot more news going on than what makes it into the newspapers.
1: Thank you, John. And you know, um, your life experience, your story inspired us to choose the topic for today's conversation, Create a Future for the Brave. So my question would be, what would you like to suggest to all those people all over the world who really want the society to be changed, but uh, you know, for some reason still have doubts about yeah. what to start from? So what would be maybe your, uh, let's say... Three key points three tips you know to (laughs) uh, to start the changes I'll give it a shot already now Uh,
2: the first thing that came to mind is um, there's a bumper sticker that says practice random acts of kindness and that's that's a philosophy of itself and uh, so I would say start small Uh, don't think and because you can easily get frustrated if by tomorrow you can't solve world world conflict uh, so start small, start personal, start in your own home, start in your own town, act locally. Think globally, act locally. Um, so that's num- that's the first principle I would say. Is um, Second, um, since I, I mentioned that, that that I feel God is like this 3D chess player, moving people around. He moved Sam and Madurwa to Kansas to meet me, and then we decided to, you know, there's the, the there's there are powerful forces at work, obviously, and we um, we see mostly the negative, the, the 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 conflicts and the and the violence. But there are other forces at work too that are. Uh, the Apostle Paul in in the, in in the New Testament uh, talks about uh, uh, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, we're wrestling with principalities, we're wrestling with spirits of darkness. But as I said, when when I feel I'm. Wrestling with darkness, I'm feeling like, well, I must have put my hand in a hornet's nest, which means I'm getting close. And so, and so, I'm training myself to uh, to not be t- discouraged or defeated by uh, by uh, uh, obstacles. Just to, um, you know, when you've been through, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, when I got home from the car crash, I spent so much time just in darkness. I couldn't handle stimulation, visual, auditory stimulation. I spend a lot of time in a dark room. And so one, one way of, of looking at this these past 15 years is I haven't been cramming my brain filled with the New York Times. I haven't been cramming my brain filled with with news reports. I, spend, I, deal, I still spend a, a fair amount of time just alone in the dark. And I'm praying. I'm not just spacing out or sleeping. I'm praying to God saying, you know, this is really serious what's going on in my life. And I insist that he listen to me. And uh, my understanding is that he likes that persistence. He wants to see what's in people's hearts. You either pursue them or you don't. You either pursue them or you run away. And so I'm choosing to pursue God. And, and if, if, if a very smart atheist can, can uh, mount an argument against that, I'm willing to give him a listen. But I'm, I would say he doesn't know anything about my private life and the things that I experience personally, mystical experiences.
0: Well, John, uh, from my personal point of view, I think what you're talking about is about ideal society. But in order to come to this ideal society, we need to have a small step of the creative society. <laughs> so I'm sure that um, our a lot of our viewers will agree that these are the key essential questions that everyone should ask themselves. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is the point? So that, that's just my uh, point of view. Well, uh, John, the time is running so fast. And just to um, uh, finish our conversation, we'd like to ask you since we're uh, practicing the six handshakes theory, which states that all people in the world know each other via six social connections. And thanks to internet and modern technology, it's even less, maybe one or two connections so we'd like to ask you, would you like to invite maybe someone or to nominate uh, for the next live conversation? Maybe you would like to join us as a co-host? <laughs> I
2: would, I would. Uh, yeah, I can tell you two, two uh, gentlemen that come to mind. Should I tell you their names now or, or, or privately?
0: Yeah, sure, go ahead.
2: Okay, so Mel Lehman, L-E-H-M-A-N, Mel Lehman um, divides up his time between New York City and heston kansas he, he ended up he married a woman who goes to my church and so mel and i have gotten to know each other he's the founder of commonhumanity.org commonhumanity.org and mel is um uh, mel has been to syria war-torn syria and he is working with artists painters specifically and so he'll he's been selling paintings and prints of the paintings and that's his way of 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 of, of helping that country heal is through is through the arts. And he would be a fantastic guest. Um, the other one is his name is Maynard Knapp, Knepp, K N E P P. Maynard Knepp is with uh, the Mennonite Central Committee. And, uh, and they, they're doing great work in the Ukraine and all over the world. And I'm very proud of the MCC. As I say, my, my parents and my grandparents uh, worked for them. In fact, let's see if I can point to it. See that blue plate. (laughs) That's an MCC plate from 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 my grandparents. So. um, So those are two guests and and others. I'll I'll I think I'll now that I have your emails, I'll I'll give you an array of of men and women to uh, to to pursue and and I'm I'm happy to play a role in that. And uh, I'd be happy to co host those those interviews for sure.
1: That's great. Thank you so much. And, you know, Joan, we have the last question for you. Could you please tell us, would you like to live in the creative society?
2: Uh, in a word? Yes. Yeah. That's great. I
0: would love to as well. <laughs> Kate, what about you?
2: <laughs>
1: and me too. Seriously. Who wouldn't want to live in a creative society? And, you know, guys, um, I'm, Addressing to our viewers probably because if there are someone uh, there is someone who still doesn't know about the project or uh, just found out about the project and would like to join it. It is very easy to do Uh, the simple steps you have to do is simply go to the allotaryunites.com website, press on the red button, join us, and then you will be forwarded to the page where you can fill out a short form where you can uh, actually state how you would like to participate and then click on the button one more time and after that you will be contacted by uh, the volunteers of the movement who will help you to choose the way um, you could participate in the project
0: yeah exactly let's let's guys join efforts let's uh start how to say waking up because in what's going on today with climate, with uh, politics and all these situations that we are having right now, the only way we can go go through is together. So I am totally inviting everyone, please um, send your ideas of the Creative Society to um, uh, info at alatraunites.com. Now you can see on the screen our websites and email share our broadcast in social networks using two hashtags, hashtag Creative Society and hashtag Alatra Leave your comments and also join the 6HandShakes initiative on the Creative Society project, because the faster we can spread the news about the possibility of living the, in the Creative Society, the sooner we can start to implement it. So thanks a lot one more time, John. And thanks, dear viewers. and. See you soon again on alatra TV
2: thank you so much I, i've enjoyed meeting you and i'm i'm looking forward to getting to know you all much better Thanks thank you so me.
1: much john Thanks, thank so. you for joining us and thank you Sergey for hosting this wonderful broadcast together with me today uh, thank you all our viewers and we'll see you soon on alatra TV goodbye everyone
2: good night